0: The adventures of a librarian turned sniper, Liberty Schoenhauer, who finds that aliens started the zombie apocalypse. These things happen. She is aided by the great uncle Danny Tough Nails, and together they try and save as many people in the book Liberty's Run. Book one is out now at Amazon and Myth and book two is coming soon in August. Enjoy this free Jayzo Modcast show. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome. Welcome to the new episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I'm your host, Kevin. And it's been a crazy, crazy week, a crazy, crazy weekend. Um, How are you guys doing? I hope you all are doing well. Um, I hope everything's going good out there in the world. And I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves and each other. Um, Today, we're going to talk about uh, some box office news. From this past weekend, some surprising news. If I'm being honest, um, yeah. And then we'll uh, talk about a few other things. And uh, I hope you guys, you guys enjoy. Uh, so let's let's actually just dive right into the box office stuff. Um, so this weekend, Lightyear premiered uh, in theaters. And it was expected to have at least a 70 or $80 million opening with its connections to the Toy Story franchise and everything, which tend to be Pixar's big money makers, right? Um, well, it didn't hit those numbers. It opened at average, right? So it opened at 50, 51 million roughly for the weekend, which is good, which is on par with things like Coco and some of the other more recent Pixar films obviously the number was a little bit disappointing just because people figured since it's connection to the toy story universe, more people would be interested in seeing it obviously means more money. That was not the case. Um, I couldn't tell you what it is. I don't think a lot of people could tell you what it is. I think personally, I think a lot of it has to do with them releasing more, Most of the recent Pixar movies Onto Disney Plus um, Yeah movies like Soul which was released uh, Solely on Disney Plus uh, Turning Red Which was turn, released solely on Disney Plus um, Yeah those movies Which are supposed to be big tentpole Pixar Disney movies They just weren't released At theaters obviously because of the Pandemic there's only so much you can do Right so they did what they can do. It helped drive up a lot of support on Disney+, I think. A lot of people were excited about getting these movies on Disney+, Plus, not having to risk going to the theater, especially more recently with uh, Turning Red. I guess the confusing part about it was Encanto opened last November. It came to Disney+, Plus shortly after, but it was released at theaters. But all these other high quality, high grade Pixar movie. I know Encanto isn't Pixar, it's Disney. Um, A lot of people were left wondering why kind of Pixar was kind of left in the dust with, with, um, with not releasing their movies in theaters. I don't know why that is. I couldn't tell you. I don't have the insight at Disney, but Encanto made a lot of money um and obviously became a worldwide phenomenon as soon as it was released on disney plus everyone you know talks about bruno you don't talk about bruno um everyone knows the songs everyone loves the movie um this is kind of disney's next big effort to release at theaters animation wise and it came in below expectations but still really good It came in number two at the box office right behind, isn't surprising at all, uh, Jurassic Park Dominion. And that's kind of the surprising thing. You would think that, you know, I know dinosaurs are all the rage. People love these Jurassic World movies, these Jurassic Park movies, myself included. But like I talked about last week, this is probably the weakest of them all. And I, most of the time when a movie like this comes out, it has legs. But with the word of mouth and the poor critical reception, generally, those movies tend to trickle downwards a little bit, right? So the we're getting into the box office season again. We haven't really had a year like this in a long time due to COVID. Top Gun Maverick was kind of the kickoff to the summer season, the summer blockbuster movie season, and now it's just like we're getting new stuff every week, and it's going to be like that for the foreseeable future, which is great. It's that time of year. Love going out to the movies, checking out the big blockbusters on the big screen. Jurassic Park Dominion made 68 million this week this weekend, which obviously is nothing compared to its debut last weekend um. But more people chose to go see that as opposed to seeing Lightyear. I had the opportunity to. See, I, I went to go see Lightyear on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. I liked it. It was a really good action adventure. It was kind of look Pixar generally hit for me. I never seen a Pixar movie that I didn't like, and this is no exception. Um. It's not that kind of deep Pixar movie, not something like Soul, (laughs) Inside Out, uh, or even the Toy Story movies, which have that emotional anchor to it. This was just a straight up sci-fi action adventure movie. There was some really emotional stuff in it. Of course, it's Pixar, so you have to. But I think overall they kind of stepped out of the box a little bit and kind of did their own thing. It kind of reminded me of something like uh, Luca, which had that, you know, it had a very, again, it had an emotional core, but it was just about the kids having fun during the summer. Didn't really have a super deep meaning or anything like that. This kind of falls into that category where it's just a fun action adventure movie. It's in my, it, it's Pixar's excuse to do their version of star Wars. And that's not to say that it's a ripoff of star Wars if by any means, but there's a lot of funny little, you know, references and homages to things like Star Wars. Um, and it was really, really well done. It really brought you into, you know, you, you can totally understand why Andy saw this movie, 1995, supposedly when it came out. And you, you know why he left that theater wanting a Buzz Lightyear action figure, a Buzz Lightyear toy. Um, So go watch it. Um, But it is kind of a bummer that it's, uh, you know, not, doesn't have as many, as much legs as people thought it was going to. So hopefully we can fix that next weekend. Um, Next weekend is going to be a big box office weekend also. Next weekend, we have Elvis releasing in theaters uh, the new Baz Luhrmann movie which I'm sure will open pretty big um, so that's coming up next weekend and then it's just going to be continuing from there all these big releases are going to be coming out um, so go check out Lightyear at your soonest opportunity uh, you won't regret it it's a lot of fun uh, speaking of Disney Pixar This piece of news, I'm kind of, I'm interested in, but again, with caution. So director Guy Ritchie has been tapped to direct the live version, live action version of Disney's Hercules. Um, He'll be directing for Anthony and Joe Russo, who, for those of you who don't know, for some reason, they... um, They were a big part of the MCU for a while. They directed uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War. And then they went on to do Infinity War and Endgame. Um, So Guy Ritchie is on board to direct. He also directed the live action Aladdin that we got a few years ago from the studio, which I'm not going to lie. I like a lot more than some of their other live action remakes. I thought it did things a little bit different. He didn't really have that Guy Ritchie stamp, which you can't really do because Guy Ritchie is normally known for making, you know, British gangster movies, rated R, a lot of cursing, a lot of stuff like that. Um, But he also did, you know, things like Sherlock Holmes and King Arthur, which are also a lot of fun movies. Um, But Aladdin had its own style. It was really fun, had some great music. Will Smith actually did a pretty good job as a genie. I thought that uh, I was pretty impressed by, by his performance. Uh, the whole cast was just incredible. Uh, Guy Ritchie, he did a great job directing it. So I am curious what he's going to do and how he's going to approach the material of Hercules. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Obviously, there's no word on casting or, you know, if it's even going to be a musical, which I think you kind of have to keep it a musical, but you know, like something like Mulan, for example, the live action version wasn't a musical, but it had those musical cues to it. But I think you can make a really, really fun Hercules movie while still being a musical. So I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, we don't have a wor- any word on a release date or when filming is even gonna start, um, but we'll keep you updated once we do. Guys, so word is that Lady Gaga is going to be joining Walking Phoenix in Joker 2, which is going to be directed by Todd Phillips again. The interesting part kind of fascinates me, but also kind of iffy about it. Uh, well, you can't really be iffy about it because I have no idea what it's. What it's going to be but it's going to be supposedly a musical my thoughts are kind of uh, scattered about this I think I think it's interesting for sure I'm kind of curious what they're going to do I think it could be a really I don't want to say fun because the first joker was not particularly a fun movie (laughs) but it could be interesting uh she's going to be she's supposedly in talks to play harley quinn to joaquin phoenix's joker uh so we'll see how that goes the first one was highly 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 influenced from the work of martin scorsese uh taxi driver uh king of comedy things like that um Someone was talking about this one being inspired by New York, New York, another Scorsese um, film. I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll see. Obviously, we don't have any word about any Batman or, you know, which I don't know. I think eventually they'll they'll explain why. Obviously, this is probably one of the first versions of Joker. We don't know exactly, but... Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So keep your eyes out for that. Again, no release date. Uh, but we do know Todd Phillips is directing again. Walking Phoenix is supposedly coming back, as well as Lady Gaga joining him for this. The uh, sequel to Knives Out officially has a title. It's an interesting title. I don't know what to make of it, but I'm still excited for the movie. Uh the official full title is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. This is going to see the return of Ryan Johnson directing. And Daniel Craig's going to be reprising his role as Benoit Blanc. And it's going to be a totally different cast. It's going to be like the um, you know, Hercule Poirot Mysteries. So it's going to be like, you know, murder on the Orient Express and death on the Nile. Different cast, different mystery, let's the same detective at the center of it. Really cool idea, ending a modern version of this. I'm excited to see where it goes. The first Knives Out was a really, really cool. It almost feels like it came out of nowhere. We knew he was directing it and we knew it had an amazing cast, but they hadn't made a really, really good whodunit like that in a long time. The modern day version of Clue, you know, which is, which is great. We like Clue. We love that kind of stuff. Um, and it turned out to be really, really good and a lot of fun. So I'm hoping it keeps that energy going um, with this one. I think uh, it's going to be a Netflix movie, but I believe from if I'm here, if the rumors are correct, it's going to be releasing in theaters for at least a month or so, I'd say, before um, going to Netflix, which would be really cool because I really enjoyed the first Knives Out, watching it in theaters with an audience. That was a lot of fun. You have everyone kind of guessing and, and uh, trying to figure out who the killer is. And I hope it does get a theatrical release because movies like this are really, really fun to watch with the, with the group of people. So keep your eyes out for that. Keep your ears out for that. And keep your ears open for that. Sorry. It's been a week, like I said, um, and hopefully we'll get more news on that front in the uh, coming weeks as far as where it's going to premiere first and when it's going to premiere. Um, so I know normally we uh, we we you know like to talk about um, TV movies, comics, things like that, but I want to talk about games a little bit today because there's been some really, really cool announcements, uh, especially in the world of Assassin's Creed. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, Assassin's Creed turns 15 this year. The first game premiered, the first game was released in 2007. And this year they're celebrating, they're having a big celebration for the 15 years. Um, They're gonna be doing a bunch of special events over the next few months uh, leading up to September. And September, they're going to have a big Assassin's Creed event where they're going to announce the future of the franchise. For now, though, every month they're going to be kind of celebrating uh, a new different a, a new game in the series, kind of you know two or three games per month until September. They're going to be adding new um, new skins, uh, new challenges as well. Uh, right now, they're doing their speed challenges, so. You can post your fastest times um, online and stuff like that. Compete with players around the world and win really, really cool prizes. Uh, This month, uh, the month of June, they announced some really, really fun stuff for Valhalla, which is the newest entry in the franchise. I'm a massive, I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan. I love the series so much. Um, The last few games, I haven't, they're just, they're super massive, super big. I'm still working on. I, the only way I beat Origins, I finished Origins. Odyssey and Valhalla, I'm kind of working on side-by-side side still. They're massive games. They've changed kind of the whole series. They're more like RPG-like now than they used to be, which is cool, which is good. Uh, I do kind of miss the old Assassin's Creed, but that's a whole other conversation altogether. But I still love the characters and the stories that they're telling. Very cool stuff, fascinating stuff, and I love it. So this month for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, they announced some some fun stuff. Uh, one of the biggest things that they announced is the they're going to be releasing the Forgotten Saga, which is going to be a free story expansion for the game. In this expansion, you'll actually go to Niflheim, the underworld of uh, you know Norse mythology. And you'll be able to explore down there. It's more like a roguelike-inspired game mode. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that. And that's going to be available to for free to all the Players uh, within the next... I believe it's available now um, now or next week. I cannot remember, but um, it's going to be one of those two. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. A, a free update. They also have going to have free skins from Odyssey. Uh or free tattoos that you can download for Valhalla and put on your, your character and stuff. They also released the um, Discovery Tour Viking Age. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with, especially the last three games, what they do is they, you know, it's completely suitable for all ages. And it's just a really, really cool way for you to learn about the time periods and the places that these games take place so in assassin's creed origins you can literally just walk around there's no battle no nothing you walk around you learn about the pyramids you learn about the history you learn about everything it's really cool it's kind of like a virtual museum uh except you're actually walking through it and it's it's really cool uh did the same thing for odyssey and now they just did it for valhalla so you can learn more about the norse age um how they lived how they made their you know, everything from how they made their food to how they, you know, what they wore to how they traveled, uh, everything. It's a really, really cool educational experience. And even being a dad, it's really fun for me to be able to do that and, and um, you know, do that with my kids. It's just a really fun experience for everybody. They're also, you know, they're also, I think Assassin's Creed, they they get it, right? They get why these games are super super important because not only because they they're really fun and they're they're um you know they 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 teach people a lot of historical stuff and i think when people say that they're like oh how are you going to learn anything from a video game but it's extremely possible especially like games like Assassin's Creed I've learned a lot to be honest playing the series from part 1 all the way to now I've learned a lot about history it makes me want to kind of dig in more learn more about these subjects like I I I knew about the crusades before I played the first one but after I played the first one I almost became obsessed with the crusades and learning about the crusades same thing goes for like the renaissance and the American Revolution and the age of piracy and you know all that stuff even in uh syndicate which is one of my favorite assassin's creed games by the way mainly because i like the assassin so much anyways i digress uh that was about the industrial revolution and had a really cool expansion you can you know hunt down jack the ripper through you know london during that time it was really really cool um but there. They're actually starting to reach out to different universities. So now they're partnering with McGill University in Canada to help make curriculums for classrooms based around the Assassin's Creed games. And I think that's really, really cool. I feel like that's where we're headed. That's what the future is going to look like, right? Kids are going to play games to learn, but also to be entertained. And I think it's really cool that they're developing these curriculums that they can use in classrooms. Again, completely nonviolent, just really fun, you know, walkthroughs of these games. And you get to learn a lot. So, um, yeah, so that will be really cool in the future. But that's something they just announced as well. All of it is leading up to September. Nobody knows, has an exact date, but they're going to have a big event. A lot of people have their fingers crossed that they're going to be. There's some hints that they might be remaking slash remastering the very first Assassin's Creed game, which I kind of feel like kind of got pushed aside as soon as part two came out because part two is genuinely a better game. But if they remastered the first one and re-eve, they just did a ground up remake. That'd be really cool. And I'm excited for that. You know, update some of the mechanics a little bit, but kind of keep it still Assassin's Creed. You know, with the stealth and, the, and all that stuff. Don't go into too much of the RPG elements like we have now. Just kind of stick to basic Assassin's Creed. Update it a little bit, freshen it up. It'll be amazing. It'll be incredible. So we'll see what happens in September. But keep your eyes out for that. It's going to be a really, really fun event. And I hope everyone tunes in and checks it out. And one more thing that they announced is Assassin's Creed Origins is now eligible for a free upgrade it's now running in 60 frames per second for the xbox uh for the newer consoles for the next gen consoles for xbox and playstation so you can update that game for free if you have it for um any of the other versions of those so that's pretty cool um so yeah that's the assassin's creed news just keep an eye out all summer you can actually go to the Ubisoft website, and they have a bunch of information regarding all the events you can do, all the prizes you could win. And it's just really, really cool, really, really fun stuff. So yeah, if you like Assassin's Creed, definitely check it out. I also want to talk about real quick, this past week, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge Game was released for consoles digital only. The physical copy comes out in August, I believe the physical you can pre-order now, and it comes with a lot of cool stuff. There's a really cool still book. It even comes with a free Pizza Hut pan pizza, which I haven't had since I was a kid, and that was pretty cool. That was a pretty big selling point, but you can get it for digital now. If you don't want to wait for the uh, physical, I plan on getting the physical when it comes out, but I already got the uh, digital version, and it's a lot of fun. It's... it's very, very reminiscent, and it's the same style and everything of the old Ninja Turtle arcade game. Six-person co-op. Uh, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. It just brings back all these uh, nostalgia and, and all these memories of playing that at the arcade, and then when they came out for, like, you know, Xbox arcade and stuff like that. Really, really fun game. Keeps the 16-bit kind of style, which is really fun. And yeah, I'm having a blast with it. So check that out. That's out on all consoles. It's out on Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation, um, all the good stuff. So yeah, definitely check that out if you go, if you want some really, really fun, really, really fun game to play with with friends or family. You can play it by yourself too. That's what I've been doing. It's been a lot of fun. Let's talk about some TV stuff, shall we? There's been some you know, Disney's trying. They're really trying. They got a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, they have a lot of stuff out. Um, I kind of want to talk about Miss Marvel a little bit. Miss Marvel has been fantastic. two episodes in, and it's just it's so much fun. It's got its own unique style, its own unique vibe. The soundtrack is great. the it looks great. It's just it's so much fun. Uh, she's just perfectly cast. Fortunately though, it's had the lowest MCU debut, the debut of any MCU show on Disney+. Plus, Lower than Hawkeye, lower than some of these other shows. Look, I know I'm not going to change anyone's mind, but if you haven't watched it, go check it out. Just kind of, just enjoy. You know, you can check it out with your family. Your family's going to love it. There's been some kind of hit or miss with a lot of those MCU shows. Not going to lie, I'm a big Again, I'm a big Marvel fan, big MCU fan. Some of the shows just didn't work for me. This one works for me. This one works a lot. This one gets the character and it understands the character. And it's just, it's 100% just pure joy. And I love it. And it's so much fun. We need to get those numbers up, guys. Um, not a lot of people are watching it, apparently. And obviously, it's going to finish it. I believe it's six, seven episodes. Um, so it's going to finish up. We're going to see what happens for the future of MCU shows and how this is going to kind of affect anything. So we'll see. But uh, it's kind of a bummer it's getting so low ratings, but I'm loving it so far. So hopefully we get hopefully more people will check it out. And even after it's it's aired, hopefully more people will... We'll learn more about it and be interested to check it out. So E1 has announced Transformers TV, which is the first dedicated streaming channel to the franchise. It's going to run 24-7 as part of the uh, the free ad-supported Pluto TV app. I don't know if you guys know about Pluto TV app. You can download it on your phone. You can download it anywhere, and it has just... So many channels of just random stuff you could watch it for free just using your internet. There's ads, but you know, some of you could buy find classic TV, you can find classic movies, you can find channels that are dedicated to specific TV shows. Like this is going to be. So it's not going to have the original series, but it's going to start with uh it's going to have three generations basically. It's going to have Transformers Prime, Transformers Robots in Disguise, and Transformers. Bumblebees, Bumblebee cyber cyberverse adventures. Look, it's something fun to have on in the background. It's a free app. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, Paramount is working on some new series. They have a new series coming to Paramount Plus: Transformers Earth Spark in November. Transformers Bot Bots is coming out to Netflix, and of course, there's going to be a live action sequel: Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Uh, along with an animated prequel movie so there's a lot of transformers coming out but this channel is interesting there's going to be a lot of good stuff on it if you have kids that are into transformers or if you're a transformers fan this will be something to keep out for just download the pluto tv app again totally free out on my phone when i get bored sometimes i'll just put on a, you know just kind of scroll through the channel see if there's anything good on there and um yeah so that'd be that'd be good And I did, I did actually kind of want to talk about. um, So um, this kind of goes back to movie stuff, but I guess it could be associated with TV because a lot of the kind of the conversation, which is totally fan driven conversation, 100%. I'm sure there's no real conversation behind this at all. But um, guys, can we talk about Ezra Miller a little bit? and um wow okay so um we're not going to get too deep in the weeds because it's pretty disturbing but um Ezra Miller he is the flash in the EU. he is the flash in Warner Brothers big DC movie universe he's appeared in Justice League he uh, I don't know if anyone's seen Peacemaker, but he's had a had a hilarious cameo at the end of that, um, and he even showed up briefly as his version of Barry Allen in the Flash TV show, uh, which is on the CW, and that's why I bring it up. Kind of, it was a good segue. Look, I forgot to talk about it in the movie section, okay? But um, you know, the TV version of Flash, played by Grant Gustin. Fans are, you know, pretty excited about um, wanting to get him to slip into the big screen version of the Flash. Um, Ezra Miller's kind of been getting into a lot of trouble Uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken. Who knows what will change by the time this releases, but um, he's on the run. Uh, he's done some things um, just some things that you know again we don't have to get too deep into the weeds but with the flash movie coming out next year this movie was kind of going to be a big this movie's a big deal for Warner brothers this movie sees the return of michael keaton as batman ben affleck as batman they're all going to be sharing the screen together it's also going to introduce their supergirl it's gonna be doing a lot of interesting stuff. So I think Warner Brothers is in a tight spot right now because obviously they want, you know, this is this is their version of Spider-Verse, right? This is gonna be their version of of um, you know, no way home. You have all these classic characters coming back. It's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be fun. And in the past, when things like this happened with the star of a movie or a TV show, sometimes it's super easy to kind of cover it up in the marketing. Uh, I like to bring up the uh, Arnie Hammer situation for Death on the Nile. Uh, He was accused of some stuff and he was basically let go by his agents and nobody wanted anything to do with him. But they had already filmed this movie. And they minimized his... I don't even think I saw him in a trailer. He wasn't mentioned on the posters. He's in the movie. But they minimized it in the the marketing of the film. You can't do that with this. Um, There's a couple of different routes they can go, I guess, if they really wanted to. Um, uh, There's a movie, uh, All the Money in the World, for example. starred Kevin Spacey. Once he uh, got accused of some things, he was let go and they reshot all of his scenes with Christopher Plummer. So they literally just reshot the scenes he was in with a different actor. I don't know if you can do that with this. I don't know if there's, I, I, I don't know the schematics of it all. I don't know how much it would cost. I don't know if they, if they'd even be willing to do it or if, you know, what they're, what they're planning on doing. I think they're going to. In my I think they're going to keep the movie as is they might focus the marketing on the Batman angle, all these different Batman coming in to, um, you know, be in the movie. I think they're going to focus a lot on that aspect of the, the film, but this is all supposed to be, this is their flashpoint. So this could change the whole DC EU, the whole DC movie universe. And there is, a poss- there is a way to kind of get rid of Ezra Miller's very version of Barry. You could even introduce Jay Garrick. You can introduce another version of The Flash in here. You could introduce Grant Gustin's Barry as the new DCEU Barry Allen, which would be a kind of interesting move. Um or you can just, you know, you somehow, you know, I. Um, some people have been commenting on a post I made about how, you know, you can literally just kill off this version of Barry. Like you can get rid of him and just replace him with the new one. It could even be early in the film. And to the other characters, like the new Barry Allen is just Barry Allen. But anyways, who knows what's going to happen with that? I think they're already too far into it and they, can't replace it now. So I think it's just going to be released as is. they might just keep the trailers as is and just focus on Ezra as Barry Allen and just keep it going. He obviously probably won't be doing any promotion for it, but, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they get it figured out because they have a lot of money writing on this and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not going to be easy just to kind of turn off once they, you know, try to get everything figured out. So jumping back to TV, to like real TV this time. I'm pretty sure most of you are aware, but a Lord of the Rings series is coming to Amazon Prime, the most expensive series ever. Like this thing is massive. This thing, Game of Thrones level production, if not even more than Game of Thrones. It's going to be, it's going to premiere, it's getting its own panel at, uh, in Hall H at Comic-Con in July in San Diego before its premiere in September. Uh, the showrunners are going to be there and it's uh, hopefully, you know, some of the cast is gonna be there as well. For those of you that don't know, the show, the series takes place in the second age of Middle-earth. So it's it's thousands of years before the events of Lord of the Rings. We'll see how it all ties in. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see how many people expect it to be Lord of the Rings. And I think that's that was one of the confusing things where when people heard it was happening, people were wondering if they were just going to recycle the Lord of the Rings movies into a series, or you know the books and stuff into a series, and just you know really put an emphasis on a lot of the the details that they couldn't get into the movies and just kind of remake the whole thing. Peter Jackson did such a good job though, that that would be an impossible endeavor. And I think they realized that and they were like, okay, we just gotta keep going with, um, you know, we'll just go a whole new direction and a whole new things. So um, yeah, it'll be cool to see. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm not a massive Lord of the Rings guys guy, but I have watched the movies and I've um, you know, enjoy the books and stuff I read the books a long time ago. So those were a lot of fun uh, to, to, uh, to read and the movies were a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm excited to see where the series is going to go. It's going to be an interesting series. So keep your eyes out for that. Again, that premieres in September and uh, it's going to be premiering with one episode and then weekly after that. Um, before we wrap up, I really wanted to um, just bring up the fact that the, uh, Legendary comic book artist Tim Sale uh, passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, he was super, super talented artist. He did he worked a lot with uh, Jeff Loeb, who did uh, you know one of his biggest uh, stories and one of my most uh, read probably Batman stories is the Long Halloween. He did all the artwork for that. He did a lot of Batman stuff and a lot of DC and some Marvel stuff, but his Long Halloween. It was kind of the inspiration for the Dark Knight trilogy. And it's just such an influential story and an influential, with influential art book like artwork, you see the art and you know what it's from. And he had that style that was just unbeatable and, 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 you know, totally stood out from the rest. Uh, it was actually also recently turned into a two part animated animated film for dc uh, i believe they're on hbo max now you can also get it on blu-ray uh, really really good actually they did a really good job uh turning it into a film but yeah um you know he's uh, 66 years old um you know and uh i hope his thoughts and, and everything are out with this family and uh yeah i hope uh everyone's doing hope everyone's doing all right so um yeah, that is pretty much wraps things up. Uh, there isn't a whole lot, uh, so I want to do a toy of the week um, this week. But my toy of the week this week isn't a toy; it's actually a book. Um, so I don't know how many of you guys are. Uh, I know how, obviously a lot of you guys saw Mad Max: Fury Road. And I've talked about this before on other podcasts, but it's actually a really, really good book. Um, So it's a book written by Kyle Buchanan. It's called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, The Making of Mad Max, Fury Road. This thing was wild. Um, The behind the scenes of this movie is absolutely insane. Literally shooting in the middle of an unhabitable desert for almost a year. You have people at each other's throats. You have people, um, you know, Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy did not get along at all. And so, you know, reading all these stories, look, the movie was incredibly well done. I still watch it and wonder how nobody died while filming it or got seriously injured because some of the things they pull off in that movie is just mind-blowingly just incredible. Um, But the book really digs into all that It digs into everything from casting, to, um, you know, the filming of it to the release of it. So I highly recommend checking it out. It's a pretty it's an easy read too. there's, you know, it's not too long of a book. And there's some really, really fascinating interviews that you're not going to find anywhere else with the cast and the crew and, and people who are involved with the movie. So I highly recommend checking it out. If you haven't already, uh, you can find it at your local bookstore. You can find it also, you know, get a di- get it digital. You can also find it on Amazon or wherever, wherever books are sold, pretty much. So, highly, highly recommend checking that out. But, uh, anyways, that's our show, guys. And also, you know, you guys can always build Lego. I love Lego. Right now, I'm working on the Lego Titanic. It's been really, really fun. It's a lot. We're done with the first two parts, and um, you know expanding it so looking to be done by the end of the week and i got some other cool sets that i'm looking at building it's gonna be a be a fun summer it's gonna be a really really fun summer be careful out there guys be safe be happy take care of each other go watch some movies i understand some of you guys aren't ready to go out to theaters again but um if you are there's some good stuff out uh and again no judgment you want to wait till oh um You can also, you can rent digitally right now. You can buy uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is now out on digital. It will be out July 5th for Blu-ray, which comes with a digital copy. Highly, highly, highly recommend that. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. You can have your mind blown. It's just an incredible movie. So, these hot summer days, you want something to watch? There's a lot of good stuff out there. So, um, yeah, check out Everything Everywhere All at Once and some other great, great movies that are out. So that's it, guys, ladies and gents. really enjoyed talking to you guys today. Uh, Join me again next week for another episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. And until next time, stay nerdy, America.